the secret truth. Through forgiveness we awaken, transforming information and knowledge into wisdom. And now our co-hosts, Charlotte Littlefield and George Butler. Welcome to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler and... Well, I'm Charlotte Littlefield. Charlotte, how are you doing tonight? Okay? I'm good, George. How are you? Oh, you're sounding great, babe. We've got quite an honored guest tonight. His name is Alan Watt. And he... I've listened to some of his programs that have been pre, you know, recorded and I pulled them up uh, and on demand and all that from so, uh, other talk shows. And he is very, very astute in the area of the truth. I mean, he, he has set out... A goal. I guess it's a personal goal, but we'll we'll talk to him in just a second. Welcome to the show, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be on. You, you're you're saying the truth. Tell us about how difficult it is to attain this. What was your what was your journey in trying to to move towards that thing called the truth? It was trying to make sense of a, a system which was very old and which you're born into, where. Really, people should um, have most of what they want in the material world, that is. And then you find only small groups of very elite people, after thousands of years of empire building, own most of the wealth of the world, and everyone else is still basically an employee of this world corporation, uh, and, and funding them through their taxation. It was a form of slavery, of course. And I realized that very, very early on. Growing up in Britain, I, I wondered why... With uh, this uh, British Empire, only a few people in London seemed to own anything at all. Most of the public in Britain at that time rented their homes from the, the local governments, basically. So their tax money paid for the building these homes, then they rented them. And the system was so rigged that you had pretty well a, a wages and price um, fixation. So you could never get ahead. And I realized this was all intentional. And the more I went into economics and the system, especially in Britain and Europe, you found that, sure enough, everything was contrived to keep everybody in a state of, of, of almost poverty at one point. So, so you started describing this as the matrix, or did, did you, how, how did you first describe this when you were, uh, you know, beginning to, to awaken? Is there a, a method there that, that you, you used to awaken, or was it through study and accumulation of knowledge, or... Or, or just the observing of the of the of everyone around you. It was all of that observing people around me. Observing uh, when you're young, it's very good to walk in and out of people's homes to visit your friends because you're ignored. You're small, and you find that the people arguing about the same basic problems in every family. And uh, at that, that time, it was generally around money, uh, not money for 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 luxury items, but money just to get through the week, from week to week. And I wondered why on earth it was like this, uh, and why that everyone was so broke, supposedly, and the government was always complaining you had no money. Uh, they could have a war any time they wanted to, and suddenly they'd have all this, these millions of pounds to, to back wars. It made no sense whatsoever. And uh, then I realized that the wars were just part of a, a long-term plan. When you read through history, um, you find that they projected wars way ahead in the future, including even the taking over of the Middle East. They were discussing it back in the, the beginning of the 1900s, this long-term range plan, and not just for the Middle East, but for the whole planet, basically, to be under a global uh, system. Uh, so I went into the history of books from a very early age, especially into the adult libraries and the, the old reference books, 
and luckily in some of the bigger towns in Britain you had very old reference books written at the time of the 1700s, the 1800s and the 1900s and so you could get access to history as it was happening as opposed to the, the, the diluted and censored stuff I was being taught at school and so I had a real wide awakening when I realized that they were constantly rewriting history, just like Orwell said, George Orwell in 1984. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, I was going to say, um, so, uh, Alan, at what point or did you look around and beyond Europe and beyond um, Britain, like, for example, to the United States or to wherever, and um, determined that it was a worldwide problem rather than just a... I, I realized, yeah, I realized that the United States. I, I'd read an art. I'd read a book um, written at the turn of the 1900s uh, on poetry and of all things, and it was um, it was to do with a, a poem called "The White Man's Burden," and um, uh, that was actually read in the U.S. Senate by a, a very famous Englishman, and it was about passing the torch on to you. In other words, we're passing this torch of power onto the United States. And in the book, it, it broke down the meanings of this particular poem. And um, it was about uh, the U.S. taking over as the military police of this world empire for, not forever, but for a time uh, until the end of the millennium, into the new millennium, when it eventually would uh, fade away. And China was to come up and take over from the United States. Then that was written in the early 1900s. So this is a plan, uh, an old plan. Is that is that correct? Would that be a way to characterize it? It's as old as even your constitution. The founding fathers even wrote about it. Um, I, I know that. Um, yet you had um, a couple of them wrote about the creation of a, a world uh, federation. Uh, run by 12 wise men uh, some of the founding fathers wrote about that in their memoirs they hoped it would be the nucleus of a world system um, run of course on a, a form of republican democracy uh, but that was written about in the 1700s by people who participated in founding the, the, the United States sure well a great deal of them were had roots in Masonic uh, secret yeah. societies and such yeah, Franklin uh, wrote openly about it, uh, about the uh, World Federation uh, run by 12 wise men. So uh, they were quite open at that time. They were very hopeful. And to the average person of that day, who all they knew was one war after another, especially in Europe, uh, the ordinary people would think, well, that would be not such a bad idea. What they didn't look at was that they were taking the same kind of uh, hierarchical uh, oligarchy uh, the psychopaths that ran the world already, they'd also be ruling the whole world. Uh, so this utopia that they dreamed about could never come into being for the ordinary people. It would be a utopia for the elite uh, and, and made by the elite and run by the elite. Would you characterize the new the new world order as a fascist movement? or Would, yes, that, would uh, that be a correct word to use? Oh, yes, absolutely. The fascist... Uh, Symbol goes back uh, into, into ancient times, pre-Roman times. The Romans took it over, and even the, the, the first popes were accompanied by the fasci, which is the axe, 
uh, with a bundle of rods around it, meaning if the nobility and, and those with power stick together, it's very hard to break a whole bundle of twigs, but one at a time they're easily broken. So they always use that symbol of power where they are all one at the top. They stand up for each other. And they decided that um, even in, in, in the last century that in the Club of Rome, for instance, it was founded as a big think tank to bring in this world empire and, and to take the rights away from everyone under various guises. The Club of Rome um, said that this would be a, a form of a fascist system, uh, but for the general public, they would use uh, a vast bureaucracy running the public on a communistic or collective basis, which was much more simpler for their their, their, their uh, methods to work out, basically. Right. We're going to be leaving here uh, on a break, but we'll be right back. And uh, this is getting interesting, and, and the descriptions there are just fabulous. We'll, we'll come back in just about three minutes. Hang in there. Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler and with my co-host... Charlotte Littlefield. Uh, and uh, tonight we have a distinguished seeker of the truth, and that's the best way that I can describe Alan Watt. Welcome back to this segment, Alan. It's a pleasure. Gentlemen, uh, uh, why don't we go ahead and give Alan's website out? Yes, do, uh, do that, Charlotte. Okay. Um, it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And if you go in there, it's www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If you go into that site, he has a wealth of information. He has articles. He has a lot of his programs that uh, radio talk show, uh, uh, you know, digital uh, files there that you can listen to live and download and so forth. And he has just a, a tremendous uh, view here, in my opinion, one of the most insightful views that, that I've ever seen. And, um, Alan, on this, on this uh, Club of Rome... Uh, was it Limits to Growth? Was that one of their uh, initial publications? Yeah. The, the, see, what you've got at the top of this pyramid structure are the elite at the capstone. And then they have big think tanks which specialize in a particular area underneath them. And the Club of Rome uh, is, is one think tank which, which really comes up with ideas of how to bring in this, this future that's planned, how to get the public to acquiesce and go along with it. And... Uh, the Club of Rome put out a book, in fact, by the founders of, it, of this, this club, and uh, it was called um, the Final Revol or the, the First Revolution, is called. And in there, these two founders of the Club of Rome, who are part of the United Nations, again, they're all affiliated with the United Nations, uh, admit that they were looking for a way to bring the whole world together uh, against a common enemy, and they said that they they, hit, they tried to. Do think about everything, alien invaders, all that kind of stuff to unite the planet. And then they realized that what might work is if they could um, alter the weather and create weather-type problems and blame the public for causing those problems and by that way convince the public to give up all their rights and their way of living and hand their, themselves over on a plate to be run by an, an expert society. So they actually well, admitted this in their own writing. That's very frightening, because uh, it's very obvious that we're we're, we're experiencing probably weather mo weather modification due to the um, the weird and bizarre looking clouds that we see in the sky. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, a couple of nights ago, I sat outside and watched for about four hours 
these strange types of strange kind of lightning, uh, which is like nothing we used to have in the past. But what you're seeing really is scalar weaponry. It's called scalar weaponry. And uh, this was written about by guys like Zygmunt Brzezinski, uh, who's, who's up there as advisors to presidents. And uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski, in his book, Between Two Ages, um, talked about the technotronic era, where the public would be controlled by electronic means. But he was also talking about the scalar-type weaponry, which would pulse through the atmosphere. And that's what they're using also for, for weather uh, warfare purposes. At the would, would HARP have, have something to do with that? Is that part of the HARP project? Yeah, that's part of it. The HARP is only one installation. They have another huge one in Greenland uh, and Australia run by the U.S., but worldwide they have over 50 of them, 54, I think. So, so they're controlling through the electromagnetic the, uh, into the uh, ionosphere? They're, what, pulsating uh, energy into there? That's right, and also they, they can uh, align these things up with uh, satellites under the Star Wars program. That's what it was all about, and uh, intensify this type of uh, pulsation and direct it anywhere on the planet. Even a whole continent can be covered by it. Was it originally Tesla technology that they actually took and, and furthered uh, even uh, to a greater degree or not? Yeah, Tesla definitely gets the... The awards for that, uh, whether he really discovered it, I think is much older, to be honest with you, because even Benjamin Franklin and others were, were, were playing with a mild form of it in the 1700s. I, I have sort of something that I call BE and AE, before electricity and after electricity. <laughs> yeah, well, electricity is a trick of the elect. It, it is, isn't is it? Mm -hmm. And uh, these guys uh, plan to use electricity to its maximum uh, and uh, convince the public of the world that we are causing all this, this uh, weather problem. Yet, if you go into the treaties at the United Nations in and 1978, I think it was, uh, they signed a global treaty not to use this weather warfare uh, on other, each other's countries, which left them wide open to use it on their own citizenry. Mm -hmm. And in that, that uh, treaty, it said they had the ability, they weren't testing it, they had the ability to create earthquakes if necessary anywhere on the planet. Uh, tectonic uh, shifts in, in the crust. They could create tsunamis. Uh, they could uh, create and guide uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, etc. Uh, pretty well everything we've been experiencing over the last few years. But if you use shortwave radio, you can pick it up on over a dozen uh, uh, frequencies on the shortwave radio. It's 24 hours a day now. And there's interference on those frequencies. Is this what you're saying? It's not interference. It's actually certain places where you where you pick up the shortwave. It's the loudest sound on the shortwave. You hear the woodpecker, oh, I see. Uh, which is one of their symptoms. And another one is like a, a high energy pulsation, which goes 24 hours per day. But the, the scary thing about this is that it can also affect the human brain. Uh, that's the scary part. They admit in their own treaty that by putting a secondary signal along with the main signals as a carrier, they can affect emotion very easily. They can make you fatigued very easily. Uh, they can make you confused, anxious, or aggressive, depending on the particular frequency that they use. So this is a technotronic warfare that was to be used silently on the general public uh, that Mr. Zygmunt Brzezinski was talking about. Well, well, when you, could you characterize some of the techniques as changing feeling states? You, you ever, are you familiar with that term, feeling states? Mm-hmm. Where, where the radio project out, out of that uh, funded uh, by Rockefeller and others in the 30s, I believe, yeah. 
that they, they, the technology and the ideas of that they could alter these, they could create a, a radio listener that had these feelings that were very, uh, you know, uh, you know, and it created with small what short songs. I think that was one of the things. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, they, they can do all of that, and uh, and, and this, this kind of stuff is actually taught at universities. Uh, they're quite open about it. It's old technology. So within the what uh, the uh, communications uh, schools in the United States, it's common knowledge that this is what uh, some of the techniques that are good to, to be used to what further advertising. Well, I guess Madison Avenue was some of the first brainwashing systems, weren't they? It was actually Madison Avenue was brought in as an arm of higher government to market ideas and propaganda to the people, and big players, big big players like uh, Lord Bertrand Russell who was a globalist and who worked for them and who wrote lots of books and openly about their agenda, um, said that in his book, uh, it's called The Impact of Science uh, on Society, he said, which everyone should read, uh, he said that shortly we'll use techniques on the public which they will be completely unaware of. And he said, um, we must bring in Madison Avenue and the experts in persuasion. Uh, We must bring them on board because they can market ideas and propaganda right into the people's brains. Right. They get a susceptible brainwave pattern going, and people absorb information, and they're much more suggestible. I think Nick Vagage has some some, uh, feedback mechanisms that can try to counter some of this. Have you gotten into some of that? I've looked at those, yeah, but uh, the problem is you're you're dealing with so many different uh, fine frequencies here. You need the exact one coming in in order to counter it. It, It's very difficult to counter some of this, is it not? It's so wide. It's so powerful. We're going to be back in just a few minutes, but uh, hang in there with us, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. Back to the secret truth. I'm George Butler, along with co-host Charlotte Littlefield. Um, Alan, um, we have tonight Alan Watt, who is a seeker of the truth, and he is really uh, into to studying high-tech systems of um, uh, secret societies and mystery schools. Let me ask you a question about this network. It seems to be, is it a network of, of people on an international basis that are coordinating and working together, that are yes. putting together this matrix? Yes, you, you have an international club. Um, we would use a modern term. We would say there were social Darwinists in that they, they truly believe that they have uh, reached the pinnacle of every country's uh, elite uh, status by gaining the wealth, the majority of the wealth of each country or the country they reside over and, and also keeping it in their family lineages for generations without losing it. So by their own laws and standards, they believe they, they are almost gods. They are the, high, the highest evolved species on the planet, according to themselves. Therefore, they have the right to rule uh, the lessers. Yeah. Right. That's pretty uh, sad and disgusting, frankly. Yes, but they're very open about it. Uh, so much material was put out on this in the beginning of the 1900s through the, the eugenicist societies. Um, these characters started up the whole theory of, of eugenics and superiority and the Superman type. Adolf Hitler only copied them. Uh, it really started long before him. In fact, the Rockefeller family were funding eugenics uh, experiments in the United States uh, right through the whole 1900s. 
Well, they're responsible for the medical complex, too, and, and what oil, uh, medical, mm-hmm. and also the chemical industry has been a big part of this problem, has it not? Absolutely. In fact, this is not new. When you go back to ancient times, um, you, you'll find that even in Egypt, that each pharaoh at a certain age, a young age, was instructed in the art of ruling the people's minds and how the people thought, the, their psychology, you might say. Uh, and uh, what the people were taught to believe as opposed to, to what the elite were taught as facts and they had archives of history even 5,000 years ago in Egypt which were taught to, to pharaohs but you'll find wherever the elite went in ancient times uh, you found the same MO because they would build big cities they're great builders they love building projects and, and taxation to build them uh, you have the, the largest amount of wealth coexisting with the greatest poverty all around them in the biggest cities that were created, they uh, they have wars, ongoing wars, for takeover bids. Really, you might say, because wars are just takeovers of other countries, like businesses, and they build empires, and then then they all move out to the next empire that they've built up. And when they move out with all their money and wealth, the old empire collapses behind them and goes back down to third world status. Uh, and in their cities, they always ran the legal system through priesthoods, now it's just lawyers, and they also ran the illegal system. They ran the, a pharmaceutical, uh, what we call pharmaceuticals in ancient times as well, on the legal side, and they also brought in drugs to conquer uh, countries they wanted to take over on the illegal side. So above and below is what they say. These drugs like Soma, was that one of the, the more ancient drugs in India that, that was used for purposes such as this? Soma is interesting. Yeah, it was supposedly used. We do know that the Brahmins um, encouraged the use, use of hashish uh, on, the, on their peasants uh, to do work, hard, long, grueling work. And even the Jainist cult that still survives today uh, has big celebrations when they bring in the harvest of hashish. So they've always used drug. And Soma certainly was mentioned in ancient times. And even uh, in, in the Masonic tradition, Soma is just Amos backwards. And uh, pretty well, so a lot of the rules of the game you'll find are hidden in each people's holy books because the same rules are hidden in for the esoteric to understand. The, the esoteric has multiple, what, meanings for many of their symbols and in their words and so forth? Yes, they do. Uh, as they go up the degrees, they're told uh, a newer meaning, a higher inner meaning. And it's interesting to go through holy books because... Um, if, you, if you go through them, you'll find that slavery was acceptable. Uh, that, was, that was one interesting fact about it, because the elite have always had no problem in believing they are superior, therefore everyone is inferior and to be used as a slave. Um, if we even go into uh, uh, things like uh, the feudal system, which again was an elite coming into Europe um, called the Normans, they brought in uh, this feudal system where we get the word fee from you have to pay a fee to them just to live on your land you you serve them in fact you would own no property was that but the doomsday book that they first set up and what inventoried all of the property that was the inventory in book and, and it wasn't the first one there was one already in existence really under the Saxon regime uh, but uh, they certainly updated it and any chicken you had or cow or pig 
uh, even your children were all noted down as property. It sounds like putting game. a chip in every chicken or something. You know? that, that's right, yeah, a chip in every pot. Yeah, chicken. <laughs> chip in every pot. <laughs> well, we have to have a sense of humor a little bit, right? We do, and, and some of it is kind of humorous when you get above it and look down on it to see how easily we're trained in this matrix because uh, we have swallowed the world as it's been presented to us from birth, and that's the big trick. All mammals look towards uh, the adult to warn them of a danger and if the adult doesn't know there's a danger the, 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 the mammal is born and will, will, will raise up thinking that everything that exists in this lifetime is natural and that's how simple this trick is you train one generation into the illusion and they therefore train their children for you it's a delusional mode, then. Is that is that can it be described on, on, by by percentage? I mean, we we know something about the world and reality, but there's a certain percent there of of our uh, knowledge that is missing uh, within us. Is our paradigm is sort of incomplete? It, it's incomplete. Uh, also, you see, there's never been a uh, since they gave us standard nationalized and international education, which all comes from UNESCO, the United Nations. Um, it's much easier for them to train us uh, because everyone you meet will have the same opinions, same views as you do because you've all had the same indoctrinations. Well, Julian, H- what, Julian Huxley was a big mover and founder of UNESCO. Was that is that right? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Aldo Huxley was the guy who, who promoted uh, the Brave New World scenario of a dominant elite running the world and, and his brother... Julian, yeah. uh, Julian uh, ran UNESCO. That's, That's right. what, right? And I think he he described it as the new world order would be would use scientific humanism as a mechanism or as a tool. That's right. What they had to do they, they, they discussed this. Remember, these two guys were descended uh, from Sir Thomas Huxley, who was a big professor and champion of Darwinism. He was the best friend of Darwin, and they discussed uh, the, the fact that they would must destroy all the existing religions which had served their purpose in times gone by for the elite to maintain control. But now it became a problem because you had rights, you see, under religion to your God, and you might disobey your ruler and obey your God instead. So they decided to bring in humanism, and, if, and they were talked about many ways to get us to actually dehumanize ourselves, and the prime thing was to destroy uh, the, the sacredness of life itself make us believe we're just another animal and once we believe that we'll, we'll, we'll truly believe that we should be depopulated if we're overcrowded it was all to convince us that we were the problem so we, you know, we, ha- we have a very what uh, today and we're all carnal and material possessed are, are we not by these ideas yes and, and once you- again we have lived and been brought up in, in, in a mass marketing media we, we're just children are raised on television and have never had such equipment to, to propagate this, these ideas right into your home uh, before they depended on newspapers and before that it was the town crier and gossip but now, now, now every day uh, you get your, your dose of what, what's going to make you happy so the material goods have replaced people themselves people don't look for happiness in people they want to use people and, and that's a sad thing they just want to get something and get ahead and buy more and more and more yeah well, uh, how, is, how do we undo these esoteric uh, happenings? Because once they're revealed, um, a lot of people think that when they wake up, they feel like they need to talk to a lot of people and 
warn everybody. Mm-hmm. But then over time you realize that this has been going on for hundreds of years, centuries. Right. Yeah. Well, Alan, I see this as an emotional problem barrier, too, that exists. That the, There's an emotional thing. Could we touch on that when we come back? Yeah, and how to counter the esoteric. Yeah, but that okay. emotional problem is human nature, and that's a tough thing to get over. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Pick up on that emotional Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler, along with my co-host. Charlotte Littlefield. And tonight we have Alan Watt. We, we, were, we left this last segment uh, about emotions. How does that factor into this truth-seeking and coming out? And de- I think you used the word deprogramming. What, what does that mean? Well, when you deprogram people, you've got to understand that the people, they, they truly believe that the world they live in is just evolving day by day and that politicians just make decisions daily on a crisis type basis and that's marketed to them by the media which they've been raised with that's why anchor people in major stream media are kept on at the jobs until they're about 70 or 80 you grow up with them it's like dad staring at you every night at 6 o'clock right in the eyes and would he lie to you so, uh, again, even Brzezinski said this, that shortly the public will be unable to come to their own conclusions on anything. Um, they'll expect the media to do all their reasoning for them and all their thinking for them, and all they could do is repeat what they've been downloaded with on the previous night's news. Now, that's what we're living with today with the average person. So when you come out of left field with data which they've never heard before, you sound as though you're crazy to them. They're in a different paradigm. So, so it sounds like like conspiracy or something nut speaking, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, paranoia. I'm, yeah. I sit down with people and they call me that sometimes when I bring up nine eleven or whatever, and they'll say, "Well, you're just a conspiracy nut or something." That's right. And yet, yeah. if you show them the proof, like H. G. Wells, who was a propagandist for this elite, that's all been declassified now. He wrote the open conspiracy. Yeah, he, he wrote the book, The Open Conspiracy. It's all out in the open for those that want to find it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, but, but, the, the, but the problem gets back to the emotions. Uh, people can't get their mind around the truth because they're, they're comfortable. They're in a comfort zone. Is this what stops them from proceeding to yeah. truth? Yeah, you've got to understand that the average person today is vastly different from the, from the people who were young 80 years ago or a hundred years ago, where independence, personal independence, was, was uh, the ultimate you could achieve. Uh, it didn't mean you acquired all the, the goods necessary, but uh, you, you acquired all you needed to live independently. That was, that was a goal for so many thousands, maybe millions of people, because that had never been done before. It was never allowed to be done before. So the collectivist has, has replaced the individualist, is that Absolutely. It? And in fact, the big uh, Bilderbergers, uh, the Club of Rome and all the, the, the big uh, guys at the top capstones have all said the same thing, that this war is a war to destroy individuality because it's the individual that gives them the problems. They know they can control the minds of, of the vast bulk of the population. In fact, um, uh, Huxley himself, Aldo Huxley, uh, at his lecture in Berkeley, said that 60% of the population were instantly hypnotics. You could hypnotize them so easily. Uh, 20% more, he said, can be brought under with a little bit more work, which left 20% which, which couldn't be hypnotized by normal means. So the bulk of the population, you see, 
uh, uh, go under the influence of, of the big boys' propaganda very quickly, and uh, it's very difficult to break through those kind of people. Uh, you got to realize, too, that the, the collectivist idea, or socialism as it's called, uh, which has been heavily promoted, is to be a world run by experts, and Huxley and others said that, uh, that the public would be unable to think for themselves unless an expert told them how to do something. Well, that's happened today. We've been trained from birth with all the guys in the white coats coming on the television, telling us what to think, what to believe, with all their theories. And they are now the, the new high priesthood. Socialism is a form of keeping people in perpetual childhood. That's just what it is. So and the feeling states are important in that emotional aspect. You, they don't mature to individuals and attain uh, unique individuality. Is that is that what happens? Absolutely. In fact, did you notice today how easy it is for the governments to take all the rights away from people by declarations that are put out openly to the public that even the ancient Nero uh, never had, uh, and every tyrant in the history could never could only have dreamed of this kind of power because they, they would expect uprisings. Look how passive everyone is today. It's because they've never known personal independence and the love for holding on to personal independence. It, it's, I look at it on a synergistic basis. I call it social synergy, mm -hmm. where you have a confluencing of these negative, confining, enslaving ideas that together are overpowering to the individual. Uh, that's right. And once again, it's overpowering because... They have been trained that they, they, that they don't know anything, that they're just children, as opposed to these experts above them, these invisible people that somehow run their lives on a big affair uh, up in the cloud somewhere, um, that the high bureaucrats, uh, they leave it all to them so that they can play all the time. And that's what we're told to do. We're told to just play and enjoy ourselves while big things are happening in the world. Right. You know, uh, one case in point would be 9-11. The experts that they presented were not, in fact, uh, technical experts. They were CEOs. They were the directors, you know, of, you know, the various agencies of the United States government. So it was like the agency's director responded to the 9-11 commission. They weren't actually technical experts, but they were perceived to be the highest authority. Mm -hmm. And so whatever they said, you know, went unchallenged. And yeah, they're, they're treated as though they're infallible. And the public have been trained to, to swallow this kind of stuff and believe them with, without using any critical thinking abilities of their own. You have what they, they, they say uh, they call a, an authoritarian personality type. Mm -hmm. And that, that seems to be where we have this military. They, they gravitate to military and police types of work and so forth. And those are the people that, that will, if an authority says it, it's true. Yeah, in fact, it's a psychopathic personality that is born in every strata of society right down to the bottom. The difference being at the top, uh, they're inbred, so you can pretty well guarantee the children uh, are, are, are psychopathic because both parents are. They come from long lineages of, of rulership and, uh, and having all authority and cruelty and the ability to be cruel when, when, when they say is necessary. But they do recruit, recruit the, the lesser ones down through society. And psychopaths... Is there, an, arro is there an arrogance there? I mean, just a naturally yeah. inherited dynamic of arrogance over other people? Uh, yes, yes, there is. They're, they're not only psychopathic, they're, they're sadomasochistic. Uh, it's a, a blend of sadism. Sadism they will use on, on weaker people 
and they're masochistic towards those above them with even more power. They worship them, in fact. They worship those with more power than themselves, but they hate the weaklings beneath them. So what we have, this money system has set up this pecking order, uh, a hierarchy, that, that you're describing. Yes, and I, in my third book I wrote about uh, this money, the history of this money system, and the power elite that drove it, and how they would take over countries and force the people to accept money for the first time. And then they'd tax it back from them, and ultimately they'd put the country into bankruptcy, send in their own agents, and they would become the new kings and rulers of those countries. I'm talking about 2,000, two 2,500 years ago. Well, but, but, so it was perceived authority. Yes. It was actually an illusion. It was all, it was all illusion, and it was, I call it chronology. And money was the first trick uh, mm. to substitute something uh, real, like, like a, a bag of, of oats for a right. bag of wheat. But their uh, end being was to end up being their authority. That's right. Well, a seed, would, a seed put into the ground would grow a, a crop, but a, a coin put into the ground would not grow anything. Yes, but the man who, gets, who runs the coinage runs the world. Yeah, exactly. And so they're true. saying interest is a... You see what I mean? It's, then at quite, that point, it's quite a contrived... It, it's what I call money sorcery. Yes. That's what it is. You bury the rest. That's what's interest is. Interest, you bury. You, you bury the rest. And they bury does under a mountain of debt. Yes, and, and it just is compounding on itself. We've had t over 2,000 years of uh, this compounding of uh, interest on top of interest. Yes. Uh, Mr. Watt. Oh, sorry, George. Yeah, go ahead. George. Oh, I was going to say, the time that I spent um, observing uh, the different things on your website, I really liked the way you um, identified the use of the language and how important that is. Um, for the control mechanisms and the, you know, the very, and how it all ties things together. You see how one thing evolved out of another thing evolved out of another thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very fascinating. And it, it always occurred to me that one way to, um, to counter the, per, the illusion, if you will, is to come up with a new language. We would need it. Yeah, we would need it, absolutely. The whole language was created as English language in the 1500s as we know it. And it was encoded from the beginning with, with Rosicrucian symbology and terminology and coding all the way through it. But we, we also, we have a little slogan on our site about forgiveness, okay? And, and what, what, one of my ideas of it is that through forgiveness we awaken transforming information and knowledge into wisdom. Because then, then we can become, we can stop projecting all of that self, that taught stuff, that conditioned state that we find ourselves lost in. Yes. And so that's sort of a way out for me. It has been in the past for me. So we, we, we wise elders again because of the, the, get, the get rid of the wise elders. Yeah. Get in touch with our hearts and forgiveness. This, that's this the way. Uh, we're going to take a break at, at the top of the hour, and we'll be back after the top of the hour.
forgiveness we awaken, transforming information and knowledge into wisdom. And now our co-hosts, Charlotte Littlefield and George Butler. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler along with my co-host, Charlotte Littlefield. Alan Watt is is our guest tonight, and we're having a wonderful discussion about the world, the world systems, about brainwashing, about mystery schools and, and secret societies. Alan, welcome back to the to the second half of the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Let, let me ask you this. In, in Alan's world, okay, in Alan Watt's world, what would you change today? Uh, the, fu- change, the future. Uh, the future. I mean, how would you... How would you reorder it from now into the future? What what would what kind of changes would you advocate here? The changes uh, would have to be towards a completely different direction, uh, one that isn't planned for us, or uh, one that isn't simply uh, coming to uh, to heads opposing the plan. We have to get a different way that hasn't been planned or thought of at all. And when you see that everything runs around this thing called money. Money is the key to everything. Money buys the power. It buys us. It buys the scientists that make things to kill us. Um, we have to get rid of this whole thing called money because it's either the world of pure materialism and greed and, and conquest or, or else it's humanity. Which one is it going to be? And if it's going to be humanity, it has to be a completely different way of life too. And the only time we had any kind of peace at all in any kind of country uh, within countries was when we were basically pastoral. The founding fathers of the United States said the same thing, that this would only work for an agricultural society if they went into industrialism, greed and debt and so on, and poverty and, uh, and success, which is getting to the top by any means possible, um, it would destroy it. So they knew it was a temporary thing if an industry came in. So you're saying, is the New World Order moving us back to more of a pastoral uh, ag uh, economy? No, no, they're going to, they're, they've actually decided to eradicate most of the world's population. They've been rather vocal about this for a long time. And uh, they've, they've planned, for instance, the United States, under the free trade negotiations and NAFTA, was eventually to stop growing all uh, produce. And Chile and other countries have already been set up and funded by our tax money for the last 15 years to take over and be the producers of uh, vegetables and so on and, and meat for the world. I see that the grain companies have, have consolidated their main headquarters in Switzerland. Is this part of the overall plan? That's right. Ultimately, um, all resources, when they mean all resources, that's all food, water, and, and all the mineral resources, etc., ores, have all to be distributed to these three big trading blocks. Karl Marx wrote about this in the 1800s. He said a united Europe followed by a united Americas followed by a Pacific Rim conglomerate serving under a, wor- a world system, a world parliament. That's the United Nations. This is an old plan. And, and eventually um, the United Nations would do- dole out the food, dole out so much food to each nation. And the idea being that, that you would have to keep your population under control because they wouldn't give you extra if you went over your allowed quota of, of children. We That's from it. the United Nations, by the way. Is, is, is China the new model for the future? It is. The United Nations declared that China was the model state for the world because of all that their, uh, their obedience to the system and to, because they have the one child per parent family, uh, um, per, or per family, and a policy. And uh, that's, that's not the end of it, of course.
and to create new types of humans to serve them and they'll, they'll, they'll create them from scratch. That's what the Human Genome Project was all about. It's interesting. My daughter um, is reading a book entitled uh, The House of the Scorpion. It was written by an author by the name of Nancy Farmer, and it's about a cloned child who was not supposed to be born with any intelligence or emotional. So it was supposed to have been um, programmed out of it, and he's going to be harvested uh, to his owner for his spare parts. Uh, yes. She's in junior high school. It's a very interesting book. Mm-hmm. Award, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's sure. predictive programming to give it to them at that age, you see. Mm-hmm. And the story will, will, will captivate them. These stories are very captivating, and we lose our reasoning as we're being captivated through our imagination, and we're being downloaded with it with basically um, ideas which will come to fruition. We'll accept these things when they come along in the near future. Well, you know, you know who the hero is in that book? Uh-huh. The little clone boy. Really? Yeah. yeah. He 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 takes he takes over and and reorders the whole the whole society. That's where it, where it ends. And he, he essentially does away with the cloning. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, here we got a clone that's a hero, right? <laughs> so this is a good thing. This particular, I, I don't so, know, I have yet to so read the book. So clones are good, right? <laughs> right, but the whole idea, as I agree, it's going to be put forth in a way that people won't have any critical thinking about it. It'll be accepted. Yes, they wrote about how they would bring this into being a long time ago. And they thought, well, what is normality to these people? And they said, well, the family unit, the male, the female, the children. Uh, well, that to blur the, the distinction of the genders and eradicate uh, what was normal, what was not normal, until ultimately there was nothing normal. When nothing is normal and you have males and females and many kinds in between, uh, then they can bring forth the next type, which is a, a totally cloned human, because after all, if you have no normality to compare it to, you'll accept it. And right it's new world right stuff. here, folks. Yeah. You got it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Return to Brave New World, I read that one too. <laughs> yes, and Plato's Republic even talked about it there, 2,300 years ago. Well, Plato was an it, it was a communistic system, what he was well, advocating. Well, what it was, kind of, it, yeah, it what was kind also of, the special breeding of, of, of purpose-made humans to serve them. What comes to my mind when we're discussing this is, uh, what about the old um, ancient uh, sun sun religions and you know moon the god and the goddess worship and the and the uh the creator god being neither male nor female yeah that's in all holy books too yeah yeah well, well the endogenous idea i think you have that on your site do you not alan that's right uh if you look even the new testament uh it's, it's, it's written in there that the god creates uh, you know man woman and in his own image his own image create he them and uh, if you look at the Greek, that's the Magios, it's the exact sameness as the God, which meant that you had male and female from the deity, and of course that's the big secret. And what they're really doing was showing you uh, in reverse their goal by giving you a pretended beginning. Uh, the goal is to create a, a human being that's hermaphroditic, which is neither male completely nor female completely, but can, can actually be a better... You see, all conflict, to say, must be eradicated from this planet. You hear that from the United Nations all the time. In school, too, all conflicts are eradicated. But the biggest conflict, to say, is between male and female. Once that's eradicated, they will have their utopia as far as their servants are concerned, because we'll all be servants. So the battle of the sexes will be over, right, Charles? Absolutely. 
I don't know. I haven't been fighting it. <laughs> I opted out of that war, and I wasn't drafted, so I'm okay. But I mean, the battle, a uh, battle. I guess if there's no male and female, and then you got uh, a, a hermaphrodite or something, right? Yes. A hermaphroditic a yeah, person day, that can yeah, can breed day. themselves, right? Yeah. Well, one day, um, I'm sure uh, they'll be able to inject someone. Uh, and, and you'll be able to produce your own and that'll be a, a reward for serving the system is to be able to reproduce yourself yeah, yeah you can reproduce yeah I like that I, I'm going to reproduce Georgie's mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. boy I tell you it gets crazy trans what humanism is one of the ideas yes, centered exactly. around oh, transhumanism huh? yeah when we come back can we talk about the third generation of the computer language Oh, mm -hmm. yes, the yeah. semantic web. We'd we like to get your ideas on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, Alan? Yeah. We'll be back in just a few minutes, and it's getting even better and better. Hang in there. to the secret truth. I'm George Butler along with my co-host. Charlotte Littlefield. Uh, Alan, that was to, in honor of you. That was a red, white, and blue march, one of my songs that I've written over the years. Yes, he, we, uh, we wanted to bring you back uh, in style, okay? Uh, we, George actually got done producing um, his uh, musical drama. There were 14 original songs. We had a full uh, orchestra. Was it 15 or 16 piece orchestra? 15 piece orchestra. Right. We had an outstanding uh, crew of uh, actors and supporters. And um, anyways, we put on two production runs, and it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, so it was interesting. So that's the red carpet for you, Alan, okay? Yep, <laughs> a little you. bit of a red carpet, okay, but in the right way, not not the red that we've talked about in the past, okay? Yeah. It's t red, white, and blue means the uh, to honor the United States and what it originally was founded uh, with the principles there. Yeah, I appreciate that. But anyway... Individual freedom. The semantic web. Yeah, the semantic web. What what are your ideas in, in uh, on that? Well, uh, there's no doubt about it. You see, we we are... But you go to start with humans first of all, and what language is. And uh, I always say we languish in our language, uh, mm. because of the way it's constructed. But the elite understand the psychology of uh, of this whole um, communications ability that we have. And if you understand how it forms, uh, uh, then you can control the thoughts of people by the use of words or psycholinguistics, as they call it. And uh, the human mind is pretty well, the brain is a computer in a sense, and you have a logic which helps you arrive at your conclusions, but you need a language to go along with the logic, exactly the same as a computer. And um, the elite know, especially through marketing, if you present information to the public in a set format uh, with maybe omissions of certain data, and inclusions of certain data, you will use your logic and your language and come to a conclusion that is predetermined by them. So 
so that's how, how perfected it is today with marketing. And same with speeches for presidents. The guys who write them are trained in this psycholinguistics to put almost uh, imprints on your brain with certain little catchphrases. Even Lenin said it, because they knew it even back in Lenin's day, and he said, we shall, we shall win and conquer by the use of, of scientifically constructed slogans. One of, one of the languages in there is called OWL, O-W-L. Yes, that's it's right. It's about ironic. ontology. <laughs> Isn't that ironic, huh? Yeah, I know, I know. And um, These are hidden little deals, aren't they? They are, even the colors of windows with, with, with uh, uh, the red, the green, the black, and the yellow, uh, the different lodges. I mean, this is, this is all part of it, the different strata of lodges, each with a specific function. Uh-huh. What about the, uh, we're going to jump around a little bit, gentlemen. Um, what about the ley lines and all this? I've heard um, people speculate that a lot of the these uh, families have built their mansions on locations that you know are supposedly on the energy Earth's energy lines. What do you think of that? I, I know that they, they definitely uh, have their, their own religion at the top. There's no doubt about it. But even uh, the old um, the churches were built on the ley lines. Even the pagan churches, which eventually were taken over, were built on ley lines. I know the Russians did put out uh, a series of, of photographs from space a few years back where they showed you this almost a grid-like effect around the planet of, of magnetism, basically. So there's probably something to that. Yeah. Are you familiar with Gostonbury there in England? Oh, yeah. Was there a legend connected with Jesus there or what? Uh, yes, yeah, so that, that, that emerged in the 1800s when, when, they, when they decided to use create British Israelism as a form of advancing the British Empire if they could make the people believed or believe that they were the, the, the lost tribes. Then, and then added to their arrogance, the upper middle classes would actually go out and conquer more territory and, and believe they were fulfilling biblical promises. So what they said was that, uh, that Joseph of Arathmia had come over to Britain and basically founded a monastery exactly there at Glastonbury. Yeah. Yes, that, that, that's one of the legends there. That uh, And I think Glastonbury today, I was in England about a year ago, and I went down. I went downtown London to look at those power structures, that financial district. Yeah. Uh -huh. And what struck me uh, just overwhelmingly was that in the middle they had those dragons set out in the middle of the medians. Yes, it, it, at it, the entrances to the financial district. They say what they are, right? This, well, what they, they are is an old religion because you see, when they started their rulership thousands and thousands of years ago, Draco uh, and the constellation Draco. Uh, was the, was their North Pole star? It's changed since then. We've we've, we've shifted a little bit in the Earth, and now it's Polaris. And uh, simply, a dragon was just a serpent that they attach wings on to to as an allegory of it flying. So so it's, they always put the dragon uh, as a guardian of their Eden, which is their banking system or their court system. Where Kennedy JFK was shot at, at Dewey Plaza. You'll also notice the dragons on top of the courthouse at the bottom of the, those that tri that tri roads, the three roads that made the, the, the trident right there. Well, nine eleven is that a really um, uh, quite quite a number, an occult it, it's, number? It's a, a it's more of a date. It's an occultic date for the Ides of September. Every month has its Ides, as they call it. And of course, you always remember the Ides of March, which is a, a disastrous time for certain leaders where they're assassinated. However, in September, in the occult, 9-11, uh, uh, 
what it means is it's the birth of Diana, which is a, a sort of almost uh, a male-female type warrior that's born out of the head of Zeus by, by its own pure will. It creates itself. No one made it. What it means is a brand new system that's been brought into the world, uh, brought in by, by the will of those uh, who already rule. Uh, the gods themselves, the high elite, have given birth to a brand new system. That's what it meant. Arthur C. Clarke put that in his book, uh, book uh, 2001, written in the 1960s. He's, uh, an, uh, in the allegorical fashion, this new world order was to kick off in 2001 and be complete by 2010, which was his, his second novel. So in the, 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 the actual books and the movies 2001 and 2010 if you get away from the storyline and see what you're really seeing you're seeing the birth of a new system with a new sun in the sky meaning as above there'll be a brand new system below as above so below it's the masonic uh, story uh, written in a fictional form for the profane as they call the masses these solstices and, and these equinoxes mean something to these people it does uh, even george bush senior when he gave his, his, his New World Order speech on, on uh, um, September the 11th, uh, 1990, that's when he first gave it by coincidence, and he also gave a second speech on September the 11th, 1991. Uh, he said, I see a New World Order coming into view, and then he said everything is going to the heavenly plan, meaning the zodiac, because that's their time clock. Yeah. So, Which is so not the zodiac that we get to see. It's a different one, I'm sure. It's also the inner secret meanings of the zodiac, not the one that's published to the public. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Secret Truth. I'm George Butler, and along with Charlotte Littlefield, um, Alan. Uh, you know, th there is. Uh, we, we have our guest tonight. His name is Alan Watt. And uh, Alan, what about 9/11? How is that going to factor in? Uh, between now and this next election in this country, what what are your thoughts on that? I, I think, well, to 9/11, it doesn't matter who gets in after George Bush, because by history standards, and this is what we have to look at. Uh, this is because this technique has been used by other countries in the past to create a, a terrorist attack at home and then going to war. Uh, that was that was the purpose in the first place was to get the reason for war. Uh, we know that the New American Century Club with Wolfowitz and Cheney and Rumsfeld and all the rest of them published this agenda in the early 90s and republished it in the mid-90s that they wanted to go into uh, Afghanistan, then Iraq, then Syria, and then Iran, or Iran, then Syria, in that order. And they're following it, but they needed something on the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to make it happen. Well, lo and behold, they won the, the lotto. They won the giant pool sweepstake. And uh, uh, they're very lucky guys, these and they got their wish, which just happened to, to be starting in 2001, which they wanted as well. So, yeah, it was brought on regardless. You cannot do this kind of thing in this day and age and get away with it because you can't keep anything secret in this day and age. The CIA has plants all over the planet and has since World War II, and all, all peoples and all tribes and everything. You can't keep something in secret like that and then go ahead and do it. So this was planned. But by history standards, once the attack has gone on and the country is then occupied, they always say, we can't pull out now because there'll be chaos in that country. Britain used it when it was creating its empire. Now the U.S. is using it. So it won't matter what uh, uh, hero they bring into government. 
he'll be pre-picked anyway, and this agenda will continue. Right. We we have an electronic voting fraud problem mm-hmm. now, so uh, it's uh, yeah. seeming kind of hopeless. It is, uh, but the whole, the whole political game, uh, I've never voted in my life, I'm proud to say, because, because I, I, I knew it before I was a child. It was a pure con, yeah. And Professor uh, Carl Quigley, who was the historian, the official historian for this Council on Foreign Relations that runs the United States, and that's the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs to bring in world government, the Council on Foreign Relations, and Carl Quigley, well, Quigley said, he said, a secret government has run this world for 50 years. He said, over and above the one that you think you elect. And he says, every top man and the, cat, the, the top council around him are all pre-picked. He says, it doesn't matter about the lesser politicians. They're allowed a, a, a lesser form of competition amongst themselves. But the, the leaders for 50 years, and this was written in the 1960s, he said, they'd all been hand-picked by this uh, small elite uh, to make sure the agenda would continue between parties. Yeah. Do, do you think that uh, in the world in general, do they not appreciate that British power and influence and manipulation through these systems of control? Is it not fully appreciated, the British system? Oh, the British system has never gone. It's never been away. Uh, the British, you understand that, that the, the British really were so far advanced and, and policy studies, long-range plans. Uh, you're talking about intergenerational plans where people were recruited into high divisions of, of the foreign office, as they called it, and, and they would go across the world and lay the foundations for revolutions which would start maybe at the end of their, or even after they, they were dead. Uh, that's long-term planning, uh, knowing you'll never see the end of it, and that's how they worked. They, they might plan it for 200 years ahead, a takeover of, of our entire continent, and that's they've never stopped this technique. And it was decided uh, before World War One, uh, when the Council on Foreign Relations basically came out of the Milner and Rhodes Society for World Government from London, and they merged with the elite of of the United States, and they decided to create a, a, an embryo of world government called the League of Nations, and that would be the the the, the precursor to the United Nations. And they had to get World War One on the go in order to have that happen. They planned this and discussed having World War One and killing millions of people years before they actually had it. You have a document on your site, a UK Department of Defense document. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I would recommend. I downloaded it today. I read just bits and pieces of it, but it's quite insightful about you know from now what 2007 to 2036. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and that is the head, remember, department that also gives out the policies for all NATO countries, including the United States. So this this incorporates the NATO uh, members, is that right? That's right, yeah. And what they say is that they're, 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 this is the top think tank for the Ministry of Defense. Uh, and they put out an open publication of their projection for the next uh, uh, 20-odd years. And they say that they'll see nothing but uprisings, uh, flash mobs, as they call them. Uh, they're prepared to use neutron bombs uh, on the public. What, what exactly are those? What, what, how do they work? A neutron bomb literally releases masses of neutrinos, which are high particle uh, pieces of energy, molecules of energy, which will pass through all protoplasmic tissue, meaning 
meaning living tissue, but leave all structures intact. But you're, you're, you're talking about small bombs, micro bombs, or? It, it can be on the scale right up to, to the atomic bomb, if need be. But it would be a small, small bomb there, so it wouldn't be. Yeah, they can yeah. actually use it on cities, and oh, not cities. Help whole cities, if need be, or parts of a city. And uh, this is what they, they plan to use on the public. But what they don't say is why on earth Joe Sixpack would get up from his television and actually go and riot. Now, it would, it would take a lot. What they're talking about is bringing on um, a, a vastly changed world in the very, I'm talking about like tomorrow, the very near future, uh, where you're, you're going to have big problems for food, water, electricity, gasoline, oil, all the things that you've been taught to, be, to depend upon uh, they're going to start pulling the rug from under your feet and rationing it because that is the agenda under the Kyoto Conference, which they all signed, uh, is to reduce all consumption of all energy by over 60% over the next few years. What, what, well, boy, that would destroy our economy. Absolutely. absolutely. We, 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 it would come to a standstill. Our economy is based upon being in a lot of places throughout the day. I mean, there's a multiplier effect here. That's right. I mean, you get in a car and you can go five or ten places and do business and buy things, and that would really shut down a, a good portion of our economy. But that's what it's intended to do, again, a long-range business plan of taking down uh, the countries that, that finish off the Middle East. Once the United States job is over, you've funded it, you've supplied the manpower, and now they're taking you down at the same time at back home. What, was, is the Islam religion so uh, absolute in its beliefs and so forth? Is that why they're taking them down? And they became a problem, of course, mm-hmm. in a lot yeah, of yeah. Is that is that, and it's family-based, and they're, they're growing, yeah. uh, they're, they're expanding, uh, uh, their families are, are really on a, a quite a growth. Yes, uh, again, in the 1800s, with, with Sir Thomas Huxley and others, Karl Marx and all the ones that were funded by the British Crown, because they, they created the dialectic of communism. Uh, it was a very efficient method of taking over vast areas of the world and standardizing them under one system. But they, they talked about the destruction of the family unit had to be destroyed and all religion which held it together. And the only holdouts to this world system so far have been the Islamic nations. So, so their religion is based on, is, it, it reinforces the family unit. Absolutely, yeah. I see. So it's organized in that way, and this is one of the reasons well, there. Well, gentlemen, I think it's not only that, but isn't it also that they would not adopt the type of Federal Reserve system? They wouldn't go into the banking system. Neither, mind you, would, would Bosnia and Yugoslavia, when they, when they went over and bombed them, too. They were not on uh, the World Bank. They would not join it, and so they bombed them. Well, I have a question did. about the Muslim Brotherhood. Is that another secret society within the Arab country and groups? Within the, the, the Arabic groups. Uh, you can go back into the, the 11th century and find um, the Knights Templars meeting with the, the leaders of the Hashashin, they called them. Uh, these were, the, 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 the slang term was assassins because they, they uh, went out and uh, they were taught to go out and assassinate people like the lone knife man. You might if you say. can't control someone, you kill them, right? And That's then right. Politically, so, and they're, they're gone, then, then you move on to some. So that, that physical force and physical dominance is a reality, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the weapons of mass destruction have to be in the hands of these world dominant uh, I, leaders. No. We're going to be back in a second here. Is uh, Europe going down too? Or just oh, United yeah. States? We'll be back in a second. Thank you.
Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm George Butler along with... Charlotte Littlefield, and our guest tonight is Alan Watt. And Alan, I'm going to give our listening audience your website again, which is www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Yep. So where were we, gentlemen? We were discussing... Um, of course, I think this is our last segment, so... Um, Whatever we're going to discuss, we need to start wrapping it up. Yeah. George and I always like to um, end things on a positive note, <laughs> mm-hmm. to the best of our abilities. Um, I, I, these are dire, um, I don't want to say predictions, but it appears, you know, that things aren't going to be getting much better. Um, what, what do you recommend? What, what, are you, what is your personal plan for the next uh, decade to write well, out these things? I mean, it's a matter of informing those who you get through to rather than waste your time and trying to panic everyone around you it's, it's a matter of, of helping those who are asking the questions feeding them information and then we always end up with the same dilemma as to what what do we do with all this information uh, but really the, the answer is, is is not that at all the answer is, uh, is, is, is life worth keeping as it is uh, what is humanity itself? What's our purpose in humanity? Is our purpose to, to produce and consume like good little citizens and be taxed for, for agendas we have no participation in or, or participating in the planning? Or is there something else to life beyond that? We have to look for a different way of life, but we have to expose these power elites who are in every country at the top running the show here and, and we've got to tell them, we know what you're doing, and you're not going to get away with it. We're going to stop you. Oh. We won't go along with this. Right, which reminds me, um, George, remember it was uh, Fulford. Did you um, hear about, I can't remember the Benjamin, gentleman's name. Benjamin Fulford Benjamin has come Fulford. out with, a, with a quite a, an, uh, an assertion about an, uh, an Asian group that's going to take out the Illuminati. Rockefeller in particular, he did a he did a mafioso style threat on the uh, Rents dot com show about I don't know fourteen three weeks ago, some fourteen days ago. Yes, uh, well, I wasn't be surprised, but I know, I know that the Chinese are upset because they know that the SARS virus that was released and, and came to Toronto uh, was specifically engineered and designed to attack uh, mainly Chinese people. It was lethal to most of them. As opposed to when the are, are they using nanotechnology to design those things in that manner? Uh, they, yes, they are. And uh, there's an excellent book you should read. It's called Deadly Allies. It's written by a, a, a Toronto Star reporter with declassified documentation from the British, uh, the Canadian, and the U.S. government. And when you see how advanced they were with these viruses and bacteriums back in World War II. Uh, you can imagine what they have today. They can literally create any type of virus or bacterium to target any specific uh, genotype uh, in the population, ethnic-specific viruses, and or, or even blood type. And they can release them to sweep through a country in a matter of a week and then reproduce so many billions of times and then suddenly stop, and then it's all clear again. It's an incredible... The people at the top are monsters, and the sooner we get that through our heads, that they're psychopathic monsters, uh, the closer we will be to, to stopping off this they, chaos. They have no consciences at all, do they? They have none, no. In fact, they think they're being very practical. Yeah. So, and, and they think that they're on some great cause of saving the world, some of them, you think? Uh, they love uh, that their science is because they believe that... Uh, they believe in efficiency. They're, they also believe, being good psychopaths, that... Uh, 
subject to the to the delusion of themselves too um, they well I would say that they are deluded uh, people who think they are gods and have the rights to do as they will with life that's delusion yeah that's delusional yeah and so so they're they're at the top of some great hierarchical pyramid and they're in a delusional state just like the person digging a ditch out here absolutely but people, on people, a different scale right well if you took a person uh, in, in your ordinary uh, housing complex who said, I want to kill three-quarters of the million or three-quarters of the, the Earth's population, he would be locked up for life. Uh, here you have people at the top with top authors writing their books for them saying the same darn thing. And, and they're being applauded by all the NGO groups that are put there to applaud for them. Uh, yeah, we have delusional, psychotic, uh, psychopathic types at the top, but unfortunately they have all the power and money to pull all of this off if we don't start standing up now and say the, no more. The word well, what about weather modification? That seems like a, a simple, you know, you point to the sky. It's, it's very difficult not to see it. And, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and I, well, see, Donald Rumsfeld, right after 9-11, came on television, and I don't know if they showed this part in the U.S., but Donald Rumsfeld said, when he was asked by a reporter, what will you do if there's another major attack on a U.S. city, and there's lots of panic. And he said, uh, we are ready for that. We have uh, aircraft that can spray entire cities with, with aerosolized Valium and Prozac. And when I see them spraying the skies, I'm sure there's many functions to it. But I do know when they're spraying heavily, everyone is tired, very tired. Yeah. It, it seems like the hallucinogenics have created, uh, within a large number of people, couple of things have happened that I see coming out of the universities we've educated a certain kind of people coupled with with uh, hallucinogenics or drugs where that are more empathetic than empathetic than than we used to have w would that be a, a fair absolutely the, the drugs today literally yeah. so, uh, are, are piggybacked to yeah. certain so, parts of the brain they're very... so the people that are in control have no empathy period so they're uh, using these people with a large with a greater empathy Yes, and so, also, I mean, it's just a duping type thing. Yes, well, it makes perfect military strategy. If you want to take the world through the biggest changes that there's ever been, uh, according to the way of living, right down to nature itself, and, and male and female, and having offspring and so on, a completely new way is to come out of this war. And you, you, you must tranquilize them, dope them, use everything in the arsenal while they're going through it. If you notice, most people today... Uh, are, are, they're in La La Land. They have the glazed eyes. They have no interest. There's a fantasy world out there. Yeah, something's happened to their brain. W yeah. when, when was it that uh, on one of the news uh, there was a, a serial show, um, situation comedy, where a woman was having uh, was getting pregnant or something, and I think one of the vice president candidates or something was uh, criticizing that uh, TV personality, that character on television, and he came in for a scathing attack by the public. But it was just a TV personality. It wasn't a real person. Well, the thing is, you know... This is how crazy it's gotten. There was a series on television, I think it was called Cheers, where it all took place in this bar where everyone knew each other. Right. One of the most popular shows, because everyone would love that type of community where they have friends and people they know. 
and can go and, and, and meet every night. See, we don't have that in our lives anymore. We're isolated. We're stuck in our own rooms with that television. You don't even know your neighbors. So they've broken not only the male-female family into dysfunctional units, they've broken the whole of society down, and now you're dictated through the television. Did, did the neighborhood pubs in England act as that, as some means to get out of the house and meet some of your neighbors? That's where all... Before the, television? That yeah, all, even during television when it came in. Yeah. Uh, that's where everyone met for, to discuss social policies and things that affected them, and that the British government mandated that to, to the big uh, chains of pubs to start putting televisions in, in their in the their, pubs. Their pubs. Yeah, we got to have TV in the pubs and right? sports, and then you couldn't hear yourself talk anymore. There's so many distractions, uh, and, and they're all self-pleasing and gratifying, right? That's oh, right. I have a question. Um, when you look back on ancient history. What do you depend on as being authentic coming from the human spirit rather than the dictates of the powers that have been in our, for example, uh, Christian uh, Gnostics, um, Egyptian, the Book of the Dead, you know, all these things back. Do you think that they're all constructed or what legitimately sprung from the human, you know, artistic endeavors and all this? Uh, there's truth in all of them. Uh, most religions were given for the public to obey the forms of government they had but, but there's truth in there to do with human striving of, of spirit uh, to, to reach the ultimate of being a complete human being uh, not uh, turning into some kind of strange android or robot now we're back to the independence thing uh-huh. well, you, get, you get back into well, I'll say this about you Alan you're a unique individual <laughs> Thank you. And I think that's the greatest compliment I can give to you because you really understand what I'm saying when I say that. We, you appreciate it, I think. I We'd love to have you back again sometime, Alan, if you, if you don't mind, sometime it's in the a, future. Pleasure. Yeah. Oh, you, this conversation was so easy and it flowed so well and it we, we hit on so many important things, uh, uh, points and so forth. And I really appreciate the time uh, uh, that, that you spent with us these two hours. Yeah, we can go deeper next time. Yes, It'll let's nice. do that. Let's do that. Alan Watt, thank you very much uh, for your for enlightening other people and bringing them out of the darkness.